You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Mark Bedard. Today, really excited to talk with Baska Roy on how to achieve a data-driven organization that operates at scale. Baskar heads up marketing at Workato. He has over 20 years experience building innovative products and bringing them to market. He was the co-founder of Quick, a mobile video company that was acquired by Skype, Microsoft, and Playphone, a mobile gaming platform acquired by Gung Ho Online Entertainment. Baskar also has led product and marketing teams at companies like Placeware, Microsoft, and Oracle. It's incredible incredibly impressive resume. Baskar, really excited to have you on. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. It's really great to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. It's it's not one that I can say we're, uh, we're asked specifically about, given its complexity. I hope we have enough time to cover it and dive in. Maybe you can give us some pretty high-level understanding of really, you know, what are we talking about to start, and then we can dive into why it's important. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, Mark, nowadays with everything going digital, if you look at sales and marketing, everything is digital nowadays, right? So with that being data-driven has become almost like a critical thing that an organization needs to do uh, so that, you know, they can provide the best possible experience to the customers and employees. And, and you know, I think that's that's reason why if, if you look at overall data-driven, that's that's almost like a lifeblood nowadays for people to be able to be data-driven to provide that kind of experience. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. So why, I guess, uh, you know, we talk a little bit about being data-driven. How do you actually define that? Because that can mean so many different things, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, the table stakes for being data-driven, if you look at it is, looking and collecting as much data about your customers and, and you know, your prospects, your employees, being able to analyze that, take action on that, right? So that to me is like the table stakes of being data-driven. But there are two aspects that, that I think are very critical for an organization to become data-driven. One is how do you democratize that data, right? In the sense, if the data is residing in some particular place but not easily accessible, to the folks who need to use that data to make decision, it is not worth it, right? And in the sense, you have lost the game there. So how do you democratize that? And I'll, I'll go to the extent saying that people typically think that, okay, if I use a BI tool or analytics tool and provide that to our end users, or to our employees, then, you know, I've done the job. And I think that that's not enough. So for example, let's say sales reps, they live in Salesforce every day, have asking them to go to another tool to look at usage and insight information is a big thing. 
Why not bring those insights in the application that they use, in the Salesforce, in Salesforce itself that they use? So that's one aspect, which is how do you take the information, make it available in the end applications that people use every day so that they can, they can take, make decisions based on insights. The second thing is, you know, we talk about actionable insights quite a bit, but the element is when you want to do it at scale, you actually have to look at automation as a way to do it, right? Because that's the only way you can achieve that at scale. And so how do you even bring out those aspects whereby the data that you're collecting, the insights that you're getting, you are able to take action in majority of the cases in an automated, personalized way. And that becomes, once you are able to achieve those two, I think then you become a data-driven organization. Mm. I see it. So first and foremost, we need to get rid of the silos and ensure that everyone has transparency and understands the data. I assume talking a common language as it relates to the data, understanding where it comes from, the sourcing, but also prevalent across the organization. You're, you're talking about making it available within the act, almost like you're designing a product, right? Where you're making it available within the actual uh, reps workflow in this case, right? If it's going to live in Salesforce or wherever it most makes sense for your internal customers uh, to be able to access that data. And then secondly, once it's visible and once it's able to be seen and actioned upon, then leveraging automation to do a lot of that automation and uh, or a lot of that heavy lifting, I guess, um, to make those decisions so that we can achieve scale. Okay, I'm following. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit then about any, like, I guess start with the first one, right? The, the you know, lowering of silos, because that's a difficult thing to do, right? I, I've, I've talked to a bunch of organizations and data likes to find little cubbies to hide in and, and little silos to live in. Uh, and it can be an awfully difficult thing um, operationally to pull it out of those places and really, to your point, um, make it you know, visible across the organization. So how do you avoid some of those pitfalls? Yeah, that's a, I think that's, you're totally right. It's a, it's a pretty hard problem to do. And especially if you look at, if you step back and look at, you know, currently, I, I, I believe some latest report I was reading that a typical enterprise uses thousand plus applications. And just in marketing and sales itself, it's hundred plus apps. So all of a sudden, when you start thinking about it at, at a macro level, your data is actually splintered across all these various applications. So you need to somehow figure out a way to bring that data in. And that's where the likes of say nowadays, Snowflake, you know, Redshift, BigQuery, all of those things are there. The cloud data warehouses where you can pull all this information, make it available in a data warehouse so that it becomes, it becomes easily accessible to the others. <clears throat> so I think that part of being able to get all the data in and, and you know, making it available in a, some kind of a centralized mechanism so that people can leverage it. You need some kind of technology layer and it, like an integration platform to be able to do something like that. It's going to require technology. It's not something that we can pull, to your point, a thousand disparate apps together uh, without some sort, of, uh, some sort of cloud data warehouse or something to that degree. Yeah, otherwise it just becomes hard. Which you can do it if you're looking at some five or six applications and you're able to tie it in real time in certain way. But the moment you start thinking that, oh, it is in hundreds right now, 
uh, you need to start thinking as to what is my technology architecture going to be in order to bring all this together. I can imagine the difficulty you know, wrangling it is is one challenge to it. Uh, but then to your point in terms of, um, you know, democratizing it, putting it into the hands of the internal users where it actually needs to be, you know, the product team is going to be looking at it in a totally different environment than the sales team will and totally different than the engineers. So uh, some sort of central visual visualization or some sort of application that they can all take their different slices and, and look at it in different ways within their own internal um, applications. And that's added complexity, I'm sure. It is, uh, but I think, you know, this is where I, I think, if you think of, I'll need, I'll use a BI tool and, and enable my entire company to be using the BI tool on a regular basis, that is a hard change for everyone to do. It's like something else you need to think about. As you're looking at something, you have to say, oh, now let me go to this other tool and find out what is going on. And I think that's a mental shift that people need to make. And for me, the thing that I've seen work, and this is what uh, what we do internally at Workado as well, is how can I bring this data or the insights that are the right set of relevance in the workflow of the person? So for example, like we talked about Salesforce, right? Product usage data is extremely important for a sales rep when they're talking to the customer so that they can have an intelligent conversation. How can I bring that product usage information in Salesforce rather than say that, oh, go to this other tool and find out what that information looks like. Mm -hmm. Similarly, if you look at uh, customer success, customer success also relies on product information, but they also require information from the ticketing system, right? like the support application. What, how many escalations have happened? What are the various tickets pending? So that when I'm reaching out to my customers, I have all the insights that I need. How do you bring that data in the customer success application itself? Marketing, the same way, when a need comes in, how can I, there is enough data about you know, where things are, you know, what campaigns they have engaged with, what are the various things they have done? There is third-party data like lead enrichment, et cetera. How can I bring all this information, give it to the hands of the BDR and SDRs who are going to follow up so that they can have a very personalized outreach? So I think it requires that, that not just bringing data into a data warehouse, it's how do you take this data, make it available in various workflows so that people are making those right kind of decisions as they're going about their day-to-day -day activity. I love it. It makes a, a heck of a lot of sense. And then the, I guess the second piece of it is, and, and you're alluding to it, is the automation piece of it. Um, obviously making it visible, making it actionable, you know, being able to actually see that information is you know, kind of the foundational layer. But to your point, how do you, how do you action on it in an intelligent way? I assume you can't do, you know, you can't, you can't manually do it the entire way up, especially across a thousand apps or, uh, you know, 16 different divisions within the organization. So you guys are the automation masters. Like how, what are some examples and how would you go about, you know, really bringing that data to light in an impactful way, uh, at, you know, through automation and again, at scale? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So if you, I'll, I'll give a, I think it's best explained through a couple of examples. Let me give a, one example, which, you know, on the marketing side of the house, Perfect. which is, you know, a, a person comes into your website 
And he signs up, raises the hand and says, hey, I, I need a demo. I would like to demo of the product. A typical process would be, you know, okay, someone raised that, it gets registered in some marketing application or maybe Salesforce. And from there, someone is monitoring a queue and they find that information. And then they will go manually check other systems to see what else they have done. They will go to LinkedIn to figure out, let me understand this person. And then I'll draft, and then I'll go to Salesforce to see if this is a priority account, if it matches my ideal customer profile, and then I'm actually going to go reach out to this person. Now, all that takes time, and there's data out there, which was, I think, by Harvard Business Review, saying that the best way to convert is to reach within five minutes of them right. requesting yeah, a demo. I was going to say, it's, it's almost instantly, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is pretty instant out there. So if you don't think automation first, you will never hit that target. So we call this mentality an automation-first mentality, which is rather than figuring out what I'm doing manually and then looking to automate post, you start thinking, how can I automate it so that I can reach the target that I want? So in this case, when a lead comes in, enrich it automatically. There are so many enrichment tools that you already are using. Enrich the data. Based on that enrichment, see if it matches your ideal customer profile automatically pull information from you know your marketing apps, Marketo, HubSpot, et cetera, to see what campaigns that they have participated in. Pull information from your support application to see what they have done. Based on what you're seeing, automate that process of notifying the SDR, saying that here is the full 360-degree view of the prospect. This is the right way to outreach to that particular person. Here's a button, click that, and start calling. So this person can now have all the intelligent information for them to have that personal outreach. And all of a sudden, you're putting yourself in a position where you can actually make that five-minute mark that you have. Right. So that's one example. The second example that we see is also NPS, right? net promoter score. We all talk about it. That it's a great indicator as to you know, how your customers are, how passionate your customers are. Now, that process, if you look at it, it's also manual. I mean, someone, someone enters an NPS score, and once you have entered that NPS score, or you have filled out that form, then it goes to someone to analyze it, figure out what, who are the detractors, who are the promoters, how should I take action on the detractors, what are the additional stuff that I need to do? And all of a sudden, if you start thinking, what if I automated that? If someone filled a score of six or X, I know what I need to do. Rather than analyzing and trying to figure out manually, let's actually automate that next step. Maybe it is informing the product team, saying that, okay, we need to make some changes over here because there was a comment about this particular capability not being there. Maybe if it is a 10 person gave you a great score, it is sending them and saying that, hey, can you, can you put a review to, uh, for us in, in this particular review site? So how can you take all of this and start taking action right away in an automated manner is what helps you get to that kind of a scale. It's such like common sense when you're saying it like that. I know it's much more complex when you're actually, you know, go, getting in the weeds and thinking, uh, I'm trying to think like a mind map of all of this. It would be, you know, if this, then that, and if this, then that, I can imagine this thing being a huge tree, but it does seem binary uh, in terms of, you know, decisions, right? It's like, hey, if, if they're within ICP, then do this. And if they're not, then do this, right? We, we kind of are tasking our people to do that process that is, to your point, really a perfect opportunity to automate. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the best thing is when we think about it, we are already thinking through this, but the first reaction or the first mindset that we have is let's do it manually. Mm. Because we are setting that process. We are saying that, okay, if someone does, does give us a tent, I am going to email my XYZ person and say, hey, ask for a review because they gave a 10. Well, you can automate that. Right? Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. you don't have to do it, right? And you have more time to do the other stuff that you need to do. So it's, it's, I see that as more of a you know, shift in mindset where you start think automation first. And once you start thinking that, the beauty of that is you, know, you start seeing value day one. Because the moment you've automated, there are things that you're starting to do in scale. And as you iterate through those automations, you all of a sudden are reaching the desired scale that you want much faster while getting value from day one. I can imagine. I, I mean, you guys probably have statistics on this on your website, but I, I'm just curious. I can just instantly think about the amount of inefficiency the second you introduce uh, the human element into it, right? Oh, the, the guy wasn't really waiting on the queue to follow up on that lead, or I uh, sent an email, but uh, the guy receiving the email was on lunch break or something, right? I mean, there's just a massive amount of detractors uh, toward getting a response back to that that hot lead in, to your point, the five minutes that we really need to hit. Um, do you guys know, I mean, uh, like I say, you guys are, are experts on the automation front. I mean, do, do you know how much time is being lost when you do inter introduce um you know the human element to this or how much could be saved uh, uh we did a study you know some maybe five six months back uh and what we found is close to 40 percent of the time people are not even able to reach out within a week no average way. response average response time is 11 hours and that's what we found. <laughs> so it's and, not and even these close. are yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and these are B2B SaaS companies, right? And when I talk to my peers as well, it is pretty much, you know, there is an initiative they talk about which is speed to lead. So they all recognize that, that this is important. The question is how do you go about uh, doing this, right? So that you are able to get to those folks within five minutes. And then, yeah, it was it was an HBR review, or I can't remember. Yeah, it was a Gartner or HBR. One of them did did that study, and we're all aware of it. I mean, we all know it. It's all huge, um, but to actually be able to do that, to your point, at scale needs needs to be automated. I mean, absolutely, couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, and you know, we we did this internally, Mark, and what it did was it dramatically changed things for us. So firstly, once we were able to reach out to folks within five minutes, we saw a conversion up to, I think we are now converting around 78% of high quality leads, right? So it, the, the, all of a sudden things just fall into place, right? Uh, there are, and plus, you know, the additional thing that has the side benefit that has happened is our ramp time for BDRs have gone down mainly because they don't have to learn 10 apps. They just have to know, I'm going to monitor this queue here, and we do it in Slack. So I'm going to be sitting in Slack. It will come to me, everything ready. I just need to click a button, and I'm going to start making calls. It's so it unreal. just makes it so easy. I mean, if, if we're going to learn from anyone, it's it's going to be you guys as it relates to you know, automation and doing things at scale. I, congrats on the uh, on the recent funding. You guys uh, are now a horse with a horn, and that's that's very very impressive. <laughs> Thank you. 
Uh, anything that we should cover that we didn't hit on? Any points that that we're missing or that uh, the listeners should be aware of when we're talking about you know being data driven and executing at scale? Uh, no, I think we covered quite a bit of ground today, and I, and I think the main thing I would leave behind is 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 being data driven is is not just about collecting data going through the sequence of collecting data, analyzing and, and taking actions on it. It is actually how you make this data and insights available across the board in the workflow that people use every day, right? So that's when it starts getting used. And the second part is, if you're doing a whole bunch of stuff manually around taking actions, you actually are a way better off automating that and having an automation first mentality so that you can do this at scale. Otherwise, it just becomes hard to do. Yeah, the data becomes overwhelming. I love it. That's right. a great point. So we always ask uh, everyone who comes on Baskar if, if there's a couple people that you'd recommend as speakers to the podcast. Uh, do you have any off the top of your head? Yeah, so there are. Uh, there's one person who I learned quite a bit from. He's the, he's the CMO of Gong. His name is Udi. Uh, Uri Lekar, I would request him to come come on your show as well. Absolutely. And plus, you know, there is a person in my team, uh, Christine, who means we have built out a community. So if you're looking at how to build a community from absolute grassroots, how to go about it, I would I would say Christine would Christine Kalasimo would be a good person for that. I, I love it. We'll have to reach out to Uri and and Christine both. Um... Well, we'll definitely get Christine on as she's on your team, right? So that, that'll be easy. <laughs> this is great. I mean, this obviously there's going to be a lot of people that want to chat about this. I know you're a very busy guy. You guys are on the uh, the fast track. I mean, if, if they are to reach out to you, what's the best thing? LinkedIn or, or something else? Yeah. Yeah. LinkedIn is LinkedIn is great. I love it. Well, we won't take any more time. I really appreciate you hopping on, Baskar. It was absolute pleasure. Um, we'll have to have you back. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.